Before we get to the uh, podcast proper, some quick plugs because there's a lot happening in the next week. First of all, the 8pm quiz is returning for a brief holiday series of four episodes. So if you enjoy a pub quiz but on a video live stream, uh, get a few people together at yours this Tuesday night, the 20th of December, pour some drinks and be ready to play at 8pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, the link is on my YouTube channel, also of course at the 9pmedic.com and that's also where you'll find the dates uh, for the next three episodes after that, although it's basically the three Thursdays after Christmas. I've also got a crowdfunder going, uh, this time it's to replace <laughs> my seven-year-old laptop before it literally catches fire. Uh, that's the 9pm Hardware Refresh 2023, details in those usual places, please consider. And that overdue Spring Series guest episode is finally happening. This coming week, it's with Yun Jiang, the inaugural China Matters Fellow at the Australian Institute of International Affairs. She's been on the podcast before. We'll be talking about all things China from the news because, you know, quite a bit has happened, hasn't it? And there's more. Uh, I'll tell you more in the usual housekeeping segment in the middle of the pod. Yeah, there's so much happening. Enjoy. The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, politics, adult themes, and far too much about Elon Musk. Sunday, the 18th of December, 2022. We haven't spoken in more than a month, and it's no longer spring, so let's just get on with it. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. This is the 9pm Assassination Coordinates. Elon Musk claims to be a free speech absolutist, but tonight a number of high-profile journalists who often write stories about Elon Musk, some of them critical, have been silenced. The social media platform suspending the accounts of reporters for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and CNN, and others. As a private company, he technically has every right to do so, but the question tonight, is it fair? Musk defended the move in a tweet saying, quote, criticizing me all day long is totally fine, but doxing my real-time location and endangering my family is not. Okay, okay. Yeah, we've got to talk about the Musk and Twitter thing because, as you know, I basically live on Twitter or have lived on Twitter and it's uh, an important part of my journalistic work and also my social life. But let's be clear, no one has doxed Elon Musk's exact location. How this whinge started is that there is an account called Elon Jet or was on Twitter, Elon Jet. So it was a social media account that tracked uh, the real-time usage of Elon Musk's private jet. Uh, a guy called Jack Sweeney used public data to to, to gather that, right? Because there's beacons on aircraft and there are sites you can go to to watch all of the airplanes in the world, where they are in real time. It's public knowledge. All this account did was say, well, this one's Elon Musk's. And when it took off, it said, there, there it goes. And when it landed, it said, well, there it is. And... And, uh, you know, a lot of the time Musk isn't even in it. And if he, if he is, we can, we can see the plane. We can see it on the radar. Anyway, Musk once did say that, you know, that was fine, um, freedom of speech, etc., and and tweeted, my commitment to free speech extends to even to not banning the account following my plane, even though that is a direct personal safety risk. Uh, he changed his mind on that and he started talking about assassination coordinates. Uh, I mean, you'd have to be a bit into yourself to think that you are somehow going to be the target of assassination. And even if he were, I think it's pretty easy to work out where Elon Musk is at any given time because he drives a particular car, he goes to particular places, and you just follow him. It's, it's something I've said uh, when, I, when I post things like which train I'm on or, or where I am in some other way. If someone really wants to kill me, 
they will they will do it in a way that I won't be aware of if they're any kind of professional. Um, you know, get over yourself. Anyway, uh, Musk has, of course, uh, now banned that account. It seems to have come about because he alleges that someone was stalking his two-year-old son due to that Elon Jets account. Now, that's whether someone was following his car, which happened to have his two-year-old kid in it, we don't know. But people have you know looked at that video that was posted and other things, and it wasn't near an airport, and it was certainly a day, lighter than, day uh, later than any flight by Musk's private jet. So there is no connection between this alleged stalking of a car following a car, as as we might call it, which is unpleasant, I'm sure. Just ask Princess Diana. Oh, well, you, well, you can't, can you? But it's nothing to do with the Elon Jet account. And there were other Jet accounts that would tell you where various oligarchs' uh, private aircraft were. And all it did is, is save you typing, uh, you know, save you going to one of these sites and typing in the registration number, uh, November 628 Tango Sierra, if you're interested. N628TS, November 628, Tango Sierra. That's uh, the main one of Elon Musk's uh, four private aircraft. That he, uh, he may own it through a cutout. It's got a fairly generic name in the register as an owner. He probably just leases it. Most people just have these things on long-term leases rather than buying them, uh, you know, for tax reasons, if nothing else. Anyway, during the course of the week, Okay, he's banned Elon Elon Jet. Uh, he started banning anyone who who linked to that account. Then he started banning anyone linked, linking to news stories um, about that account. And then it it just ended up with a lot of journalists being shut down. And obviously, when you start banning journalists from a particular media outlet, let's remember Twitter is a media outlet. Um, there tends to be pushback. Now, he banned those people, but it turns out that banning them from tweeting did not ban them from having a Twitter spaces session. That's the, the kind of voice conference thing, mini internal talkback radio, if you like. So the banned journalists got together and started talking about this. Uh, one of Elon uh, Musk's hench people, Jason Calacanis, got in there and started, uh, by various accounts, just being a bit of a cunt. But then he is. Um, and then Elon Musk himself joined for about three minutes. Here's the audio. As I'm sure everyone who's been doxing uh, would agree, you know, uh, showing real-time uh, information about somebody's location is uh, inappropriate. And I think everyone on this call would not like that to be done put to them. And, and there is not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, so-called journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're, you're just, you're, you're a Twitter, you're just your citizen. Um, so, uh, no special treatment. Um, you dox, you dox, you get suspended. End of story. Um, so, and, 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 and ban evasion, ban evasion, or like, or, or trying to be clever about it. Like, oh, I posted a link to the real-time information. It's obviously, uh, that is obviously simply trying to evade the, the, the meaning. That is, there's no different from, than, paste, than actually showing real-time information. Um, so uh, when you're saying posting a link to it, I mean, the, some of the people like Drew and, and Ryan Mack uh, from The New York Times who were, were banned were, were, you know, they were reporting on it in the course of sort of pretty normal journalistic endeavors. Um, you consider that like a tricky attempt at ban evasion? You show the link to the real-time information, ban evasion, obviously. I, I, Drew, I don't think you were posting the real-time information, right? I mean, you're, you're suggesting that we're sharing your uh, address, which is not not true. Um, and you're suggesting that we're we're it posting. We never. Uh, I I never posted your address. You posted a link to the address. We posted a link. We in in the course of reporting about Elon Jet, we posted links to Elon Jet, which are now not online um, and now banned on on Twitter. And and Twitter also, of course, marks even the Instagram and Mastodon accounts of Elon Jet 
as as harmful using you know we have to admit acknowledge using the same exact link blocking technique that you have criticized as part of the hunter biden new york post story in 2020 so what is different yeah. here and it's there no more acceptable for me it's, it's no more acceptable for me for you than it is for me same thing so anyway uh, so it's unacceptable what you're doing no what you you, you docs you get suspended and a story that's it Elon, I have to ask, I mean, I think what everyone's wondering is it, it's highly unusual for journalists at the Washington Post and the New York Times to be have their Twitter accounts suspended. And it just so happens that it's, you know, the, the, the boss in charge, you know. Uh, so, you know, what's the deal there? Oh, I think I think Elon has uh, has left. <laughs> oh, yeah, he'd left because he couldn't really justify what he was saying. Uh, and then he went and did a whole sulky shutdown of Twitter spaces entirely. Everyone, apparently, who understood the programming code that makes Twitter spaces work had been sacked, right? So he, they, they couldn't do anything to control what was happening other than shut it all down because someone's criticised Elon Musk. Anyway, it did come back up the next day, but not before uh, Musk looks really, really stupid. Um, I have... Uh, linked to a post, a thread by uh, Judd Ligum, Ligum, Judd Ligum, I think, who writes uh, Popular Information, which is an independent newsletter dedicated to accountability journalism, he says. Uh, so he, he's gone into more detail about what happened on Thursday night, uh, America time. Musk is still going on about how people docked his exact location in real time. At, mate, it's not doxing if it's public information. Uh, if you want to follow Elon Jet, um, I mean, the accounts there on Instagram and Mastodon and Facebook and a whole lot of places, or you can go to uh, Flight Radar 24 or open ADSB and just type in NS6281 TSC. I automatically see, I see my brain because my first real full-time job was in the Department of Aviation back in the day. Uh, so I automatically uh, do the, the NATO Alpha, November 628 Tango Sierra. Uh, you can see where that jet is. Anytime you like. And chances are Elon Musk is not in it. Uh, what an ass hat. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, all of this, uh, an EU official, a European Union official, has warned uh, Musk that there are red lines and sanctions to come. Uh, uh, according to The Hill, an American political website, Vera Dirova, the Vice President of Values and Transparency on the European Commission, uh, she said that e the EU's Digital Services Act requires, quote, respect for media freedom and fundamental rights. And there's a, a Media Freedom Act that reinforces this. So Trump's, Trump's been warned by the EU before uh, that the bird flies by EU rules in Europe. The politics are interesting. The New York Times, I haven't leaked to this one, but the New York Times has been saying things like, oh, it's unclear where Trump's politics stand. For fuck's sake, here's just one piece of evidence. Uh, Dash Dabrowski uh, tweeted that one of the most underlooked stories, in his opinion, uh, is the fact that Elon Musk reportedly spoke with Vladimir Putin about Putin's peace plan you know, for Ukraine, and then posted Putin's demands on Twitter, bought the Twitter app for $44 billion, and then endorsed the Republican Party who vowed to cut off US funding to Ukraine. Uh, he's, uh, Trump has abolished the, the, the Content Council, which is a thing that uh, came, like it discussed what Twitter's content moderation policies are. Uh, there's a similar thing at Facebook. It's been uh, quite successful. That's been abolished uh, because, I don't know, probably because it wanted to defend human rights or something. And then this week we've, we've also had, or over the last couple of weeks, the Twitter files. So Musk has dug out a whole lot of documents, internal documents from the time before he owned it, and has given access to, uh, well, I'll call it, as Wikipedia calls it, freelance journalist Matt Taibbi, uh, an opinion writer, Barry Weiss. That's uh, a woman who is a bit of a right-wing opinion writer, not to be confused with the musician Barry White. 
Barry White, and an author, Michael Schellenberger. Uh, so Taibbi and Weiss coordinated the release of these documents with Twitter management. It's It's... Shall we just say, they're going, oh, look at all this proof. They deliberately tried to silence right-wing accounts, leaving out the bits where they silenced left-wing disinformation or anything. In And they know, they know that most people won't actually read them. And uh, look, this is moving very quickly. So the, uh, the fastest uh, or best place to, to look for up-to-date stuff is maybe, maybe even the Wikipedia page for the, the Twitter files. But... They're saying, oh, look at all of this stuff. It's it's the smoking gun. Knowing that most of their fans aren't actually going to read the material, and, and by all accounts, I haven't read it as well, but by all accounts, if you read the material, it's a bit meh. You know, it's senior executives discussing what their policy should be regarding things like Trump or misinformation about the 6th of January, insurrection, all of, all of that. Um, writing for Politico, Joan Donovan, who says, as an internet researcher, yep, she's an internet researcher, uh, it is my job to monitor, measure and analyse trends in technology. I listened to several Twitter spaces involving Musk and he's revelling in the attention from conservative media, even as he is chagrined at the lack of mainstream media uptake. So, yeah, there's a lot of attention-seeking happening here. Um, Trump really wants to be liked by these people, possibly because that's where some of the money comes from, and he's annoyed that uh, these tw- the Twitter files aren't really being paid much attention to. Um, as Ms Donovan writes, probably Dr Donovan, but Ms Donovan writes, if the Facebook files were about public interest, the Twitter, because there was a leak, from Facebook, etc. The Twitter files are all about public relations. Like the brand management of Tesla, Musk is building a sycophantic legion of true believers bent on believing the platform can influence elections and change the culture, uh, which could all very well be true in a limited way. Uh, she continues, as we watch leading journalists and researchers like uh, Jelani Cobb of The New Yorker and Kate Starbird of the University of Washington leave the platform, I can't help but think that every day Musk is in charge, Twitter is being drained of the very thing that made it influential and informative in the first place. Uh, That exodus may be the one thing the Twitter files are accomplishing. I'm I'm slowly starting to establish establish a presence over on the uh, the Elephant site. I haven't moved over yet because most of you, uh, dear listener, uh, have followed me on Twitter, and that's where my oh, I don't want to say fan base. That's where my audience uh, is in greatest numbers. People, though, do keep talking about Elon's fanboys. You know, really sucking up to him. You know, they, they want to fellate him. Yes, yes, Elon, I will, I will suck you off. Really, they're just gagging for him to notice them. Um, in the same way that Musk is gagging for the right-wing power brokers to notice him. You know, Musk's fanboys uh, are wanting him to ask them personally, yes, Elon, anything you want, Elon. But in reality, Musk doesn't need them to fillet him. He needs them to perform cunnilingus because he is such an enormous cunt. I've been, I've been waiting to use that gag. Over on Tumblr, someone with the handle uh, number one cat winner uh, outlined really how much of a cunt Elon Musk is. And we we've, we've, have a listen to this because I, I think this is spot on. Uh, this person on Twitter, uh, on Tumblr rather, says, I was an intern at SpaceX years ago back when it was much smaller uh, after Elon got his hair plugs but before his cult of personality uh, was in full swing. Um, and... At that time, Elon was basically a child king. He was an important figurehead who provided the company with the money, power and PR, but he didn't have the knowledge or, frankly, maturity to handle day-to-day decision-making, and everyone knew that. He was surrounded by people whose job was essentially to manipulate him into making good decisions. Managing Elon was a huge part of the company culture. Even I, as a, a lowly intern... 
Uh, would hear people talking about it openly in meetings. Uh, people knew how to present ideas in a way that would resonate with him. They knew how to creatively reinterpret, uh, reinterpret or ignore his many insane demands. And they even knew how to stage manage parts of the physical office space so that it would appeal to Elon. Uh, the funniest example uh, of this stage management uh, this intern can remember is this dude on the IT security team. He had a script running in a terminal on one of his monitors that would output random garbage matrix style so it always looked like he was doing important computer things to anyone who walked by his desk. Uh, mind you, that, that happens in other places. I've seen that happen. Uh, another one, um, where is it? The second funniest was all the people I saw playing World of Warcraft at their desks after 5pm who did it in the office just to give the appearance that they were working late. And this, is, this next bit, I think, is the important point. People were willing to do that at SpaceX because Elon was giving them the money and hype to get into outer space, a mission people cared deeply about. The company also grew with and around Elon. There were layers of management between individual employees and Elon, and those managers were experienced managers of Elon. Again, I cannot stress enough how much of the company culture was oriented around managing this one guy. And if I may add, I guess much the same is true for Tesla. There are, there are good reasons for being excited about working for Tesla because of the mission. Brackets, yes, yes, there's a whole lot of other weird shit going on there, but that's for another time. Twitter has none of those things. There was no company culture to do this, and so what we saw was Musk come in, make his insane demands, and, and they're happening because he sacked everyone, and then everyone left who cared about it. The only people are, who really hung about are the, uh, are the people on H-1B visas, that is, um, non-American citizens who have to keep working there. Otherwise, they've only got a certain number of days to find a new job in the United States or out they go. No, you can click through and read for yourself about the king of novelty sex cakes. Oh, that's a, that's 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 a thing. What are the the more important people uh, Musk wants to get uh, attention from? Of course, is Donald J. Trump. Uh, you know, there was a whole thing uh, just the other day about Musk's Twitter account being reinstated. All of the tweets, all of the followers, all of the blocks, all of the likes, etc. And and and. Trump fits in. I mean, Trump has his truth social thing, and word is uh, he's actually contractually obliged uh, to to use truth social first, and he he can only post a social media message on somewhere other than truth social after a delay. I think it was six hours. You can look that up for yourself. Um, uh, Trump has been truthing because on truth social they're not called tweets; they're called truths. Of course they are, because it's all true. Uh, Trump said uh, back on the other day, sorry, you haven't got the date, so with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception, in capitals, in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC, that's the Democrat National Committee, and the Democrat Party, do you throw out the presidential election results of 2020 out? I'll throw them out and declare the rightful winner. Or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great, quote, founders, unquote, did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Yep. So, so meanwhile, over at Truth Social, uh, Trump is uh, firing up his base, so to speak, uh, <laughs> a bit like using a B-Day. Um, Trump is firing up his base. Um, but on the question of whether he will come back to Twitter, he had this to say. Uh, I, I don't see it because I don't see any reason for it. Uh, they have a lot of problems at Twitter. You see what's going on. It may make it. It may not make it. But I, the problems are incredible. Uh, the engagements are negative. And you have a lot of bots and you have a lot of fake accounts, which I think they should get on. But Truth Social has taken the place 
for a lot of people, and I don't see them going back onto Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I go on about Elon Musk and Twitter a lot, but Elon Musk is the rich, well, he's not anymore, he's the second richest man in the world uh, and, and has enormous influence uh, simply because of that. Uh, and Twitter, although not the biggest uh, social uh, media operation in terms of, of user numbers, uh, has disproportionate influence simply because it it is the place where journalists hang out and and people hang out to catch up with the news and for things to happen in real time. Uh, the other outlets just just simply don't have that that real time aspect. And I think that's kind of was built into the architecture from the beginning. That's a whole topic for another time. Maybe I'll write about it someday. But another thing, uh, I should also just say that yeah, that the whole Twitter Musk thing is changing so fast. Uh, it's it's a bit of a buzz, really. Uh, the other big kind of thing that that internet nerds have been getting into lately is uh, artificial intelligence based chatbots and text-based things. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, there was a thing called, 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 where is it? Uh, at tweethunter.io, they've got a uh, an artificial intelligence tweet generator. You put in a Twitter handle, it'll generate more tweets based on what that person said. And how they're selling this, this is really, really depressing. They're selling it uh, as something that marketers or influencers could use, you know, you put in a whole bunch of your own tweets, and and then you want to keep tweeting things, but you can't keep tweeting the same thing. So you use this AI system to do similar sorts of tweets just to keep your presence up. It's it's like those awful, uh, not fake news sites, but derivative news sites that just take a news story from a legitimate site, shove it through, it's hardly AI, it's just kind of a, a, a word uh, sort of thesaurus substitution program and and spit out something that's technically not a copyright infringement because you have reworded it. Some of those are hilarious, of course, because they, synonyms, it, it, yeah, they, they get it wrong. But I did use this one to uh, to look at some of my own tweets. I don't think I'll be totally out of out of work yet, but it has it has managed to to mimic some of my uh, daily intro tweets. Here's one: Thursday, the forest of bad ideas is expansive. Your mind is vast. Your memory is vast. Your imagination is vast. Your senses and thoughts are vast. Your mind is vast Thursday. Uh, Tuesday, make no assumptions. Tuesday. Monday, your thoughts are trying to climb out of the forest of bad ideas. Get a net and catch them. Monday. One I like. Wednesday, your eyes are weary, your mind is tired, your task is tedious, your work is boring, your work is pointless, 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 your work, your work is pointless, your work is. And and following on from my daily plan tweets, I like this. This is great. 1, 11.30 a.m. 2, 11.45 a.m. 3, 11.50 a.m. 4, 11.55 a.m. 5, 12.00 p.m. 6, 12.05 p.m. 7, 12.10 p.m. 8, 12. Okay, maybe it's not that good. But the other big one, of course, is chat GTP, the big uh, AI-based text conversation system from OpenAI, link on the podcast website. Interestingly enough, OpenAI is one of the things that Elon Musk was involved with back in the day, although word is uh, he hasn't necessarily come through with all the money that he'd originally promised. I 
I'm not sure about that. But you, you will if you if you're online at all, you which you are because you're listening to this. Duh, uh, you you will have seen a lot of Chat GTP. I don't need to explain it. But Yuha uh, Saradin, a quote journalist unquote in New Zealand, um, decided to troll me with a couple of things, uh, and and I'll do them for you now. The first is he asked it to write an ode to Stilgarian the prime warrior of Cockatoo Khan. Okay, here we go. Stilgarian, O Stilgarian, prime warrior of Cockatoo Khan. Your worry is palpable, it hangs in the air, but your bravery is unrivaled, no matter the dare. With your trusty sword by your side, you face every challenge with honour and pride. Your enemies quiver at the sound of your name, for they know they'll be met with flames. But it's not just your might that sets you apart, it's your steadfast loyalty to your heart. You stand tall and true, a beacon of light in a world of darkness. You're a shining knight. So here's to you, Stilgarian, Cockatoo Khan's finest warrior. May your worries never weigh you down, and may your bravery never be found wanting in this town. Wow. I quite like that. I'll put them all up on a blog post at some point. And then the other thing he did, did Yuha Saarinen, he asked ChatGTP to write a sea shanty featuring a jackbooted thug named Stilgarian. Okay, okay. I did say I would sing this, so here it is. A sea shanty. Oh, Stilgarian was a jackbooted thug with a heart of stone and a menacing mug. He terrorised sailors on the high seas with a sneer and a scowl and a gun that he'd squeeze. But one fateful day the tables did turn when a band of pirates came to pillage and burn. Scansion's a bit odd there. They overpowered Stilgarian and left him for dead in the depths of the ocean. His fate was sealed. Uh, yeah, all right. But the sea has a way of taking its toll and Stilgarian's body began to contort. His skin turned to seaweed, his hair to kelp, and he rose from the depths, a sea monster yelp. Now he stalks the waves of terror once more, a jackbooted thug, but with tentacles galore. Sailors beware when you hear his roar. Stilgarian's back and he's looking for more. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, if you're still with us, thank you very much. Um, what a dodgy sea shanty. Anyway, there's some bits of it I liked. Okay, it's housekeeping time. There's quite a bit of it uh, this time, so stay with us, uh, and I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can. First of all, next episode will be the final episode in the spring series, the final uh, special guest episode. Uh, my guest is Yun Jiang, the inaugural uh, China Matters Fellow at the Australian Institute of International Affairs. She's been on the podcast before. We'll be looking at all the things uh, in the news from China over recent months. It will... <laughs> Some of them. If you're a supporter with trigger words or a conversation topic for that episode, I'll need to know by Tuesday night. That's Tuesday, the 20th of December at 9pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time, uh, time, so I can let her know. And also this Tuesday, the 20th, the 8pm quiz. Yes, there's going to be four episodes across the the holiday break. The first one, Tuesday the 20th at 8pm. Go to my website uh, or to the 9pmedict.com or to my YouTube channel to get the link for the live stream. Uh, it's basically a pub quiz. Uh, you, you get some people together at your house because uh, if you're trying to do it remotely, all of the lag will, will frustrate you. Uh, have a few drinks. Answer the questions. Uh, we will stop a couple of times to, to mark them, grade them, score them, uh, so you can see how you're doing. Um, it, it, it's all on your own reconnaissance. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, anyway, if you go to my YouTube channel uh, or any of those usual places, you'll get the link. Uh, you'll So this one's on Tuesday, and then it's the following three weeks on Thursdays. 
And if you'd like a, a sample, if you go to the YouTube channel, you can actually see the playlist of all of the, the previous episodes uh, that were done. So that's the 8pm quiz at 8pm on Tuesday. Uh, and then get your stuff in by 9pm uh, for uh, for Yun Zhang. Now, I will announce at this point, <coughs> excuse me, the first uh, episode in the new year with a special guest will be with Elise Thomas. Uh, she's been on a couple of times before. She knows about disinformation. She's a journalist and open source intelligence analyst with the Institute of Strategic Dialogue. Uh, we're recording that in the second week of January. If you want to get a trigger word or conversation topic into that episode, uh by Monday the 9th of January, 9pm. I'll have plenty of opportunities to, to remind you about that. So, uh, yeah, because there's been no disinformation. Anyway, uh, this podcast is, of course, made possible by you, the generous listener. Thank you this episode to regular supporters Big JSL, Katrina Jetty and Nick Andrew and also to Frank Filipponi, whose subscription renewed his Edict 02A Premium Pint annual subscription. That was lovely. Thanks, Frank. Uh, also, thank you to all the people who've, uh, who've pledged their support to the 9pm Spring Series, uh, which we're wrapping up. Next, though, if you want to join those people and support the pod, the thing to do now is support the crowdfunder, the 9pm Hardware Refresh 2023. So back in 2012, you lovely people uh, bought me the MacBook Pro I have used ever since then uh, to produce all of my audio and video and everything else. It's the only computer I have. Um, but it's now seven years old and uh, <laughs> it probably won't catch fire soon. The the batteries have deployed their, their safety airbags, etc. But... There are no signs of it um, catching fire just yet. I'd like to sort that out uh, before it becomes a drama. And, in fact, uh, this model is now so old that it won't run the newest versions of macOS. So it, it needs to be replaced. So there is a crowdfunder, the 9pm Hardware Refresh 2023. It says 2023 because uh, Apple is expected to uh, update the MacBook Pro range in February. And this is timed. Uh, it goes through until Australia Day. And then with the delay, uh, funds would be released early in February and then I'd be ready to, to make a choice. Uh, but please go to uh, the 9pmedict.com slash refresh 2023. Uh, There's links all over the, the, the pages. You'll find that. So please consider at the time of recording um, on Sunday lunchtime, we're 48% of the way to Target 1, which is fabulous. But Target 1 is essentially a, a base level machine, which is, uh, I'd like to get more, obviously, and there's also uh, stretch targets for getting me an external monitor and, and then a, a video camera and, and a gruntier machine and all of that. Go through and read it uh, for yourself, the 9pmedict.com slash refresh 2023. Please do so. Trigger word time. Yes, time for some trigger words. Uh, as regular listeners to the pod will know, this is the glass jar of transparency. It contains folded up pieces of paper. Each piece of paper contains a word sent in by a supporter in the hope that it will trigger a conversation. Uh, and indeed, by word, I actually mean lexeme, L-E-X-E-M-E. -E -E. Look it up. Right, let's see what we can find. The first one is from Ruben Sharma. Hi, Ruben. Uh, and he says, original pancake kitchen. Wow. Okay, look, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad this is what this one has turned up uh, when I'm doing a solo episode because I don't think, well, the chances of a guest knowing about this uh, is extremely rare. The original Pancake Kitchen was in Adelaide. Now, around Australia, you will find some cheap and cheerful pancake places called Pancake Parlour. There's uh, 11 of them around the country, I think. Some of them might be called Pancake Kitchen, but Pancake Parlour is the name of the group. And it originally started in Adelaide. 
And it did so in a little back corner. Gosh, I'm just looking it up now. 1965 it was founded. Um, and one of its main attractions way back then, well, not that in 65 when I was there, but when I was a student, when I was a uni student, um, it was open 24 hours. And in those days, I mean, that was not the 1960s, it was the 1970s, um, when I was a young man. And we used to, oh, all right, I'll, every Friday night we used to play Dungeons and Dragons. Indeed, I have a copy of the original two Dungeons and Dragons rule books that came to Australia, the first set. One, I believe, was owned by a chap called Mark Ortlieb and Margaret Arnott owned the second one to come into the country and I bought them from her because she uh, was no longer playing um, or rather wasn't um, uh, being DM. Um, she was more just a, a player and therefore didn't really need a copy of the rules. Um, and... We used to play every Friday night at a house, some community centre in the inner suburbs of Adelaide. I forget exactly where, but it was a, a converted house that you could book to have meetings in. And we had it every Friday night. We went through until uh, well after midnight because we were young and we could do that. And afterwards, we all wanted to go home, but there wasn't really any transport um, until you know, 4 or 5 a.m. when the trains and buses started up. So we used to go to the Pancake Kitchen in a back alley and I've I put it up. It is actually still, the original one, is still the original pancakekitchen.com.au and uh, I'm going to give you some prices in Australian dollars. Here we go. I've, I've pulled out, uh, pulled up the menu. Oh, God, this is cheap and cheerful, but... This is why it was attractive to students. This is in 2022 Australian dollars. You could get a short stack of two, two pancakes with whipped butter and maple syrup for $10.90 at four in the morning, right? A regular stack, which is three pancakes, $12.90. A tall stack, four pancakes, $14.90. Um, and given the options at the time... You know, kebab shops weren't open that late. Uh, oh, did we even have kebab shops in Adelaide in that period? I don't, I don't know. Uh, there was the pie cart, which was a, a thing, but you, you don't want to stand around having a pie. You want a, a bit of food and a coffee and whatever. And if you, if, you were, if you were rich, you could get some blueberries to put on top of it and other things. Uh, the exotic thing was a, a Russian blintz, which is a crepe filled with cream cheese and raisins and blueberries and stuff. Um, oh, good heavens, they now have a pulled pork crepe for $18.90. Wow, that's so modern. Anyway, that was a, a thing. And so that was really about the only place in Adelaide that that young people could get into. I mean, I probably was started doing that when I was 17 rather than 18. Um, and it's still there. Um, I... There's, oh, there's four of them around Adelaide, all still called Original Pancake Kitchen. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> only one of them is original, people. Yeah, the pancake. God, back in the days when we thought this was kind of really good food. It's a bit grim. Thank you, Ruben, for bringing back that memory. Uh, let's do one more. I should say, there's quite a, there's quite a few. There's at least. 20 trigger words in the jar at the moment. So I'm not quite sure what to do to catch up. I might just get a guest together. Uh, we'll we'll just, just sit there with some drinks and just have a, an episode where we just keep pulling them out. See what happens. You know, no prep. A bit like every other podcast, right? Just a couple of middle-aged white men talking about things. Crispin Harris. Hello, Crispin, over there in Perth. His trigger word is hope, or in fact, in parentheses, a new hope. Okay, I I mean, that is the name of the first Star Wars movie, which is the fourth Star Wars movie, isn't it? No. I don't know. I'm, I'm a very bad geek. I'm not really into genre sci-fi. Not the TV series genre sci-fi, those movies and whatever. 
Um, I was president of the Adelaide University Science Fiction Association for a period. That's how much of a geek I am. I really don't read much these days. Oh, that's a, a thing. Hope. A new hope. What that brings to mind for me is that 2022 has been a cunt of a year, right? 2021 was a cunt of a year. 2020 was a cunt of a year. 2019, yeah, but by comparison, it was all sunshine, rainbows and puppies, wasn't it? But here we are. Most of us made it through. For all of the talk of, oh, there's going to be a new wave of COVID, I mean, there is. There's going to be one every fucking year. Get used to it. Just like there's a flu season. Just like domestic violence goes up over Christmas. Why did I chuckle when I said that? It's not funny, but it's true. Um, I think it's going to get better. Cue the song. Maybe. I don't think it's turned out that bad in Australia. Yes, people died. Quite a few people died. But it was way short of some of the even the the mid range predictions. Uh, uh, you know, let alone Rainer McIntyre's "Oh my fucking god, we're all gonna die" stuff. Yeah, don't pay attention to her. We kind of did okay. I mean, we don't have people shooting at us, right? Well, unless you're a Queensland cop. That's another whole thing. But we're pretty well off here in Australia. I'm relatively hopeful for the future. I'm really hopeful for the younger people coming through because... Oh, I really need to pull this out and and do a proper segment on it. In I'll do that in the next episode. But if you look up the Australian election study, I will link to that. That old um, uh, traditional piece of knowledge that people, when they're young, they tend to be a bit more left wing, but they become more conservative as they grow older. That isn't happening with the next generation coming through. That the big wave of people, you know, the boomers, who were a disproportionately large part of the population because that's what boomers is, the baby boom after World War II. So there was this big sort of wave of raw fucking and and breeding immediately after the war. Yes, I did say that. Um, That bulge in the population pyramid is is going through. They're all dying. Um. And then the next wave is coming through and they're looking at the world and they're not happy with it. They are developing their own ways of, of networking uh, and creating activism uh, and, and, and doing things. I mean, not hugely. Most people of every age really don't give a fuck about anything and that's always been the case, right? But the kind of dissatisfaction that younger people have with the way things are done is, to me, a really good sign. You know, they're they're smart, they're finding all of this racism and sexism and anti-trans stuff just wrong at deep and fundamental levels. And, And while we have, you know, in one set of demographics, this this wave of anti-trans and therefore anti-gay in general, anti-queer in general uh, stuff, um, and and fucking Nazis are everywhere, conspiratorial people everywhere, this, the, the cycle will shift. And I, I do kind of feel that while it may get slightly worse before it gets better, it will get better sooner than we fear. <laughs> I've been wrong before, haven't I? Anyway, thank you, uh, Crispin Harris. Uh, 
I'll uh, let you know what else we do with trigger words because I really need to burn off the backlog a bit. Um, soon, soon. Thank you, everyone. <coughs> Elephant stamp time. <coughs> Elephant stamp time. Uh, on many episodes of this podcast, I award elephant stamps of approval for excellence in the category of thinking. And uh, we're, we're running out of time, so uh, just one this time. Uh, to the nameless lad, I don't know who he was, he was about 13 or 14 years old, uh, and I saw him at Town Hall Station in Sydney the other day. Uh, he was carrying a skateboard and uh, his T-shirt had on the band, I think it was a logo for a skateboard crew, maybe for a band, which was fuckos. And I thought, all right, fine. But when he got up to the ticket barriers to go out of the station, he just dropped his skateboard onto the ground, slapped himself down, prone on it, on his stomach, and just scooted under the gate. Five points to style for that young man because uh, his mate who was with him, was a bit older, did the whole you know, right hand on the side of the barrier and vaulted himself over the gate. Now, see, they, they, the, the staff can see you if you do that. They'll, they'll, well, they can't be arse chasing you. <laughs> they don't care. Um, but zoom, under, done, very smooth, solid work. Uh, I've had the elephant stamp segment for a while. I'm going to kind of revamp many aspects of this podcast in the new year. That's why there's going to be a bit of a, a, a break while I think about how to do things. Um, I will say there will be a public house forum, yeah, 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 uh, with the uh, hardware refresh thing. Once I've got the new machine, which will be February sometime, uh, and I've worked out new uh, audio workflows, I'll finally have a public house forum episode uh, at a pub Saturday or Sunday afternoon sometime in the second half of March I'm looking at. Uh, and if you get, I think it's Target 3. Yeah, Target 3. Uh, there'll be two of them. So uh, one in late March, the next one in April. So do go over to the 9pmedic.com slash refresh 2023 to look at that because I'd really like to do another public house forum. But, yeah, do the machines. Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure Elephant Stamp will be one of the segments that uh, survives uh, because <laughs> there, there will never be a shortage of excellence in the category of thinking. But that one is all there is for today. <sighs> After a month, nearly a month and a half, there's so much I want to talk about, but I'll I'll wrap up just by mentioning some things I, I really want to talk about but can't. There's the whole cryptocurrency collapse, the criminal charges uh, against Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, who was the founder of BTX and how he's been extradited from the Bahamas to the US. There's the schadenfreude of Scott Morrison at the RoboDebt Royal Commission. Uh, there's Donald Trump's NFT trading cards, which I know, yeah, uh, anyway, they sold out very quickly, getting him $4.5 million, US dollars, of course. Uh, and people are saying, well, yeah, it's a great way for him to get money in from overseas investors without making it look like foreigners are funding his re-election campaign. There's those conspiracy theorists in Queensland who basically assassinated a couple of cops. Um, uh, maybe I'll talk about that with Elise Thomas uh, in January when the dust has settled a bit, when the bodies are like not warm anymore uh there's the victorian state election which i completely missed uh there's a story about how scientists have discovered that snakes have clitorises that's a sentence i didn't expect to be saying uh peter dutton um actually i will play this one this is from thursday it shows just how much question time debates are such a ritual that the words Mr. Speaker are, are like programmed into their brains or what they have for brains. And Mr. Speaker, he is taking this government and our country down a dead end. Could I just, Mr. Speaker, I'm just going that's to interrupt the, you. You please. continue to call me Mr. Speaker and I've given it a long reign. You need to use my correct title and when you're referring to other members... Also. That is a very valid point, uh, Madam Thank Deputy you. Speaker, and I'm sorry I, uh, I haven't uh, addressed you uh, with the correct title. But, Madam Deputy Speaker, the reality is that the title taken, the title taken 
as the worst minister in the Rudd-Gillard years. It's a badge of honour too. I understand that. I understand that because he has completely zero self-awareness. But the fact is, Mr Speaker, that there is a broader... Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, in Dutton's defence... And, and there's a phrase that doesn't come from my lips very often. In Dutton's defence, I have recently started saying Trump instead of Musk, when I mean Musk. Uh, I was in conversation with uh, the snarky platypus uh, not long ago, and in about the course of five minutes, he had to correct me like about three or four times. I'd say, oh, and another thing Trump's done this week, and he said, you mean Musk? And I, yeah, I mean Musk. And then Trump did the – no, you mean Musk. It's – I, I don't know. The brain works in strange ways. Um, other things I won't be able to talk about. Um, Australia's Labor government has abolished the Administrative Appeals Tribunal because they reckon it's beyond repair. It's become so politically biased. Uh, housing affordability. Well, I always talk about that. The new COVID strategy. I haven't even had a chance to look at that. Uh, some of the new gins I've tried recently. The Gavlabokken, the big straw goat in... Uh, in Sweden, um, oh, maybe I'll link to the live stream of that. Uh, the new nuclear fusion thing, uh, MILF Manor. Yeah, yeah, yes, there's a new TV series called MILF Manor, which apparently has a twist. Oh, I, I bet the twist is that they're all the MILFs and the, these hot young lads that they've got to choose from are actually all of the sons of the MILFs as a kind of mix and match thing. Such an obvious twist, but that'll be it, right? Um, Elon Musk getting booed at the Dave Chappelle show. Yet Dave Chappelle, right, the cancelled comedian who's still able to fill a fucking stadium in San Francisco, he's that cancelled, had Elon Musk on stage as his guest and and the booing went on and Musk didn't cope. Uh, then, of course, Musk banned the Twitter account that had posted the video because of free speech. Um there's ah oh, here's a one according sorry I have to have some more Musk right a, a few quick things before I wrap up uh, an investment website called Semaphore has said the managing director of Elon, of Elon Musk's family office is seeking new equity investors for Twitter I mean users are revolting advertisers are fleeing the debt payments are coming up because Trump has to pay like a billion dollars a year in loans for his uh, in interest on his 13 billion dollar loan to buy twitter um apparently uh musk's mob are reaching out to potential investors offering shares of twitter at the same price 54 dollars 20 that musk paid yeah yeah nah um you'd have to be stupid wouldn't you uh, also, uh, Paris Marx on Twitter, this is the irony, we still use Twitter so much, uh, he reminds us that at the end of 2021, Musk donated $5.7 billion to charity. Well, new reporting says the charity in question was his personal charity. So he didn't actually lose control of the money, but he did get a $4.6 million tax break because he donated to a charity, right? Um, at least... At least if you donate to my crowdfund, there's no tax deduction. I'm not a charity. I'm I'm just like like tr uh, Musk. I was about to say Trump. Like Trump, I am a leech on society. Um, this is all going to be fun when Prince Al Walid bin Talal of, of Saudi Arabia uh, asks, "Well, when I get when, when am I getting my money back, Elon?" The Saudis, of course, being extremely well known for their leniency in such matters. Um, Martin Ferguson described back in November uh, the takeover of uh, Twitter by Musk as an insecure narcissist buying a criticism factory. And finally today, it, it, it came out a few days ago, but I've just seen, and I'll link to this, the new logo for Twitter Blue, which is so bad. It, it's like this 80s throwback thing. My money is on it having actually been designed by Musk himself and no one being brave enough to say, Elon, that looks shit. Uh, Martin Sturmer on Twitter said, that looks like a promo for a new Twitter porn channel. And maybe it is. I mean, Twitter Blue would be a good name for a porn channel, right? And he could just do a, a kind of white box rebranding of Pornhub without 
really doing anything but you know paying a uh, like a, a, a I was about to say paying for the rights to reskin it. Ew. That was a porn channel. Maybe this is why Musk wants Trump back so much for a porn channel. I should stop, shouldn't I? Yeah, I'll stop now. Uh, that's the edict for now. Links and credits and all the things at the 9pmedict.com. The next episode is just days away. A chat with Yun Jiang. Input by 9pm Tuesday, please. Uh, the 8pm quiz is Tuesday night as well. It's all happening. Until then, I'm still Garyan. Wash your hands. <sighs> Except how... Maybe I should change the uh, the tagline on this podcast. What do you reckon, chat GTP? There are many ways you could sign off your podcast, depending on the tone and style of your show. Here are a few options you could consider. 1. Thanks for tuning in to the 9pm edict. We'll see you next time. 2. This is the end of another episode of the 9pm edict. Until next time, stay curious. 3. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 9pm Edict. Don't forget to join us again next time. 4. That's all for this week's episode of the 9pm Edict. Until next time, stay safe and keep listening. 5. This is the 9pm Edict signing off for now. See you in our next episode. Ultimately, the way you sign off your podcast should feel natural and appropriate for your show. Choose a phrase that feels authentic to your voice and your audience. Number 3. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 9pm Edict. Don't forget to join us again next time. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.